welcome to the Well and Wealthy podcast with your host, Alicia McPherson. How to tell if you are chronically stressed. So I was addicted to stress. I was obsessed. I was fueled by stress. I I was fueled by this chaotic, very hustle, busy, always on the go lifestyle. And when I was younger, my dad would say, you know, aren't you taking on too much? I would have another thing that I was doing and something else I was adding to my plate. And he said, Alicia, like this is this is crazy. Aren't you doing too much? And I would say, no, 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 it's fine. It's fine. I'm fine. I love this. I love, I love the hustle. My mom has called me flighty since I was a little kid. So for me, every hour was accounted for. I always needed to do more. If there was an empty chunk in my calendar, I had to fill it with something. Like nothing was ever enough. I always wanted to do more. And I'm so grateful for this drive and this ambition that I've been gifted. I, I am so grateful for it. But there was an overdrive that that happened. It was like, if you can imagine this gauge and you've got low motivation, don't want to do anything and then optimal levels. And then you get too far to the right and it goes into overdrive until eventually the, the gauge breaks, right? The glass shatters and it's a hot mess. So that, that was me. I wore busy and exhaustion, like a badge of honor exhausted to me felt like I was successful, right? I'm doing it. I'm successful. So I took ambition and drive into this overdrive where my body, there was no way my body could keep up. I was waking up at 3am every morning to go coach two CrossFit sessions. And then I would do my own two hour training. I would leave there, go sit in traffic for an hour on the way to school, spend eight hours a day on school. In between school, I was either walking my dog because I I had a dog because that was a good idea as a medical student. I had my dog. So I would either run back to the house and walk her, or she would come to school with me. And at breaks, I would go take her for walks. And then after I would drop her off at home and I would go to a yoga class and then go back home and have to study because school was insane. Or a lot of times I was running at four o'clock to go teach another three or four CrossFit classes until eight, nine o'clock, and then going home, eating dinner and going to bed just to wake up in like six hours. Right. So I was wearing busy, exhausted as a badge of honor. I was trying to have a social life on the weekends with my friends at the same time, try not to fail medical school because it was very hard. So I was trapped in this stress cycle. And this is something that I've, this, this wasn't just while I was in school. This was before school, before naturopathic medical school, I was just very much addicted to stress, but where it really got a hold of me was, was during naturopathic medical school, where I just thought I had to do more and more and more and more and more. I would jam pack my day. There was this stress cycle. And I I would love to know if you resonate with this, this stress cycle, my schedule jam packed, like every hour accounted for, it was almost like, I didn't want to be alone with myself. I didn't want to have any empty time because empty time meant weak, meant worthless, meant I wasn't doing enough. So I'd fill the schedule and then over time, I would end up obviously exhausted and very bitter around things and and myself and life. I would ignore the massive cues that my body was giving me, right? Your hormones are not quiet. Okay. Your hormones are loud and they're obnoxious and they're going to tell you exactly what's going on. Hormones are not me. 
they're, they're sassy, they're bold, they're fierce, but hormones start off just saying like, Hey, don't do that. Hey, I don't like this. Hey, this is off balance. And when we ignore hormones, they get so spicy with you. They start yelling at you. Like that's enough, right? Painful periods or this is terrible. Stop doing this to me. Hair falling out, nails brittle, breakouts, right? Your hormones are not subtle. They are they are very spicy, very saucy. They will tell you what's going on. So we go from hormones whispering to us and then talking to us and then fully screaming at us. And I am a professional at ignoring all of the cues as we all are until it's too far too late. Your hormones are just ignore, annoyed. They're, they're mad at you now because you've ignored them for so long that they're just screaming, right? I remember standing in the shower and clumps of my hair falling off, looking at my nails. My nails used to be so unbelievably brittle. Like you could peel the whole layer of them off. And for the first time in my life right now, I'm growing my nails a little bit longer than I always have very short nails because I spent so long um, probably de- a decade with really brittle cracking nails because of my thyroid issue. So for the first time, I'm actually growing them long and they are so strong. It's crazy how strong and healthy they look and just brought me back into a time where, man, they, they, they would peel the whole outside would just peel right off. So I would ignore these cues, right? And then I'd end up in this extreme burnout state. I'd get so tired that I had to lie in bed and just recover, spend weeks recovering and then do it all over again, right? As soon as you feel better, you just jam pack the schedule again. So this is the stress cycle I found myself into. And in this episode, I just want to share how to tell if you're chronically stressed, because sometimes when, if you can imagine standing like, like downtown Toronto. So when we go downtown Toronto, I live in the the, the country right now in a beautiful space and it full or surrounded by nature, right? So it can be quite quiet. And when we go to Toronto, it's loud, right? There's sirens, there's people screaming, there's music playing. It, it's so loud that the last few times we've been there, if we've gone for a conference or or having a night out, um like a romantic evening at a hotel, I can't sleep because it's so loud. There's sirens everywhere. There's lights are blinding. Like I can't sleep. However, my friends that live in Toronto, they don't even notice. They're like, what? This is quiet tonight. This was a quiet night. So we become numb to our hormones yelling at us. We become so numb. So in this episode, I just want to share some of the subtle signs that you might recognize yourself in that would indicate, hey, I am chronically stressed. Because if you can catch yourself, and I know I've talked about this a few times on this in this podcast, if you can catch yourself in this overstimulation, even exhausted phase, it's going to be a lot easier to recover than if you're in collapse mode, which is where I would always go. I would skip overstimulation, move right on through exhaustion, and then park myself in collapse mode. It's really hard to recover from collapse mode when your cortisol is flatlined. It's harder. It's a lot harder. So we want to start picking up on these subtle signs that we are in overstimulation. We are chronically stressed so that we can recognize, hey, this isn't actually how you should be feeling every day, right? This isn't the optimal state. This is probably your hormones yelling at you and you've become a little bit numb to what they're saying. So we just want to get in tune with those signals so that your hormones don't have to scream louder. You can actually listen. So the first one that I recognize a lot of women fall into is they have some sort of stress coping mechanism. For a lot of women, this can be wine. 
where at the end of the day, you have to have a glass of wine to relax. And sometimes that glass turns into two glasses and turns into five glasses. Now, I don't want to be on wine because there are some benefits of wine. I do feel a lot of women have a histamine response. I don't think alcohol is good for your hormones, full transparency, but I'm not going to be the one to tell you not to have the glass of wine. Just be mindful of why you're having the glass of wine per night. If it's a coping mechanism and you're relying on that wine to take the edge off, probably a sign that you're chronically stressed. Okay. If you're just enjoying it casually, you love the taste of wine. You, you have a, a palate for wine. I don't know. I don't know what it's called. I'm not a wine drinker, but my sister loves wine. My mom loves wine. So if you enjoy it, it's different. But if you're using it as a clutch at the end of the day, you need to have that wine to like calm down and be able to go to sleep. Although alcohol does impair your sleep. If you need it as a wind down mechanism, most likely something's going on with the cortisol levels there. The same thing with stimulants, like, like caffeine in the morning. If you need coffee to get up to, to, fuel you to give you the energy to give you like a, a almost like a battery pack refill, right? You got to plug the battery in and the battery pack is coffee, probably a sign that something's going on. And also food, right? Food can become our primary therapist sometimes. When do you resort to food? Is it like celebration? Is it stressful events? I was someone who stress ate quite a bit when I felt overwhelmed and very chaotic, I would go to food and it would be healthy food, almond butters, keto cookies, things like this, but I would still overdo it with the food. And I was using them as a clutch to deal with the stress because the stress has to go somewhere. If it stays bottled up in your body, you're going to pop. So it goes somewhere. And sometimes it can lead to not the best coping mechanisms, like the drinking, like the coffee and, and, and sometimes we can emotionally eat. So just recognize that. Another subtle symptom is procrastination, this energy of I'll do it tomorrow. So when we're overwhelmed, overstimulated, we often get action paralysis because we're so overstimulated. So it might be small, subtle tasks where you're like, I'll just do it tomorrow. I'll just do it tomorrow. I'll just do it tomorrow. And you get into this train of like pushing things off, pushing things off, pushing things off. Okay. Now this is different from having boundaries and saying, there's no way I can complete this. That is fine. But if you're procrastinating, like you have to get something done, but you're just pushing it, pushing it, pushing it away, could potentially be a stress issue. Now, a very big one, I wouldn't even say this is subtle, but it's a subtle sign because we don't notice this until someone calls it out, but it's persistent negative or anxiety inducing thoughts, either about the future or we're worrying or ruminating about the past. So this summer, I, I, I caught myself in this spiral. We had gone through this, um, I'm going to say scary and very emotionally turbulent family time um, where there was a lot of emergency room visits. There was a lot of unknown. There was a lot of uncertainty. Everything's okay now, but it was months of being scared and not knowing what was going on. And so I found myself in a place where I was just constantly negative about things. And if you know me, I am often described as very bubbly, very optimistic. I see magic and rainbows and everything. I see possibility and potential. I, I'm not a dark cloud over me person, but I was finding myself constantly thinking about the negatives of everything. I look at the sky and be like, oh, there's clouds. And I went like that for weeks before I caught myself and 
I said to Kirk, like, you know what, something has shifted in me and I'm so grateful I've caught it because it's such a subtle shift by, from going from everything's good. Life is so amazing. I feel so good to God, everything sucks, right? It's the glass, glass half empty scenario. So it could sneak up on you, the persistent negative thoughts, right? Where you look at any situation and you just see yuck to it. You don't see the good in anything. Whereas when I'm in a calm, regulated state, I I typically see the good first. I might always see things to improve or things that I want and desire, but I always see the good. Whereas when I'm in this overstimulated state, I just see the bad. I look for the bad things in everything. So I caught myself doing that and I just almost gave myself like an energetic punch and said, okay, that's enough. Because you kind of have to train yourself again to see the good. So I'd catch myself in negative ruts and spin it. And I'd say, okay, I don't like the situation. What do I want instead? And that helped me snap out of that and also wake up call that I need to go back to the things that I know work for me, like doing some of my stress management techniques, meditation, yoga without my phone, more mindful of my morning, evening routines, adaptogens, my stress supplements, all of that. The other thing we, we can do is we worry about the future, right? Things that we don't know are going to happen, but we worry about them instead of how I explain this to my mentorship clients is you can either have desire and excitement for life or worry about life. So when we're in this desire state of like planning your future and thinking about what's next, imagine um, planning a vacation, right? It feels so good. You're looking at these resorts, wondering where you're staying. You're going to create these memories in your head. It feels very good. Okay. Whereas let's say you've got a surgery coming up and you're thinking about the surgery and imagining all the possible worst case scenarios that could potentially happen. We do this with life not such dramatic examples, but we do this every day. We either have the choice every single day to think about life as if we're looking forward to a vacation or planning a vacation, or we're worrying about a surgery. So when we're in this chronically stressed state, we often live life as if we're worrying about a surgery coming up, where we're worried about the next day, what's going to happen, what's going to unfold. And living like that is it it creates more stress in the body because we have no idea what tomorrow is going to look like we have no idea. We can either decide that we can look forward tomorrow and the possibilities and the potential of the day, or be worried that the surgery might go wrong, right? Or all the possible, possible things that could go wrong about tomorrow. Now, the last piece of this is we tend to ruminate about the past. So we think about situations that have happened in the past when we're stressed and try to change them or think about how we would have done them differently. And this can be very, very consuming because we then feel a lot of guilt. We feel a lot of shame. We feel embarrassed sometimes. We wish it was different. Oh, we wish it was different. And this can create stress in the body too. Okay, then we've got feeling overwhelmed. So everything in life feels very overwhelming. Maybe you're trying to get the kids out the door. That feels overwhelming. Juggling work, everything feels overwhelming. Maybe your relationships. It's just life feels like you just keep getting another box packed onto into this room, this, this closet room. And you're trying to clean this closet. You're trying to organize this closet. But every time you move something out of the way, someone puts another box in there that you got to organize. That's how it feels. This constant overwhelm. Of, it's never going to be over. It's never going to be enough. We're never going to be done. This overstimulated state. And now we have loneliness and detachment to life. So I'm all about being alone. I love my alone time. 
I'm very sensitive to the vibe and energy of other people. Even with Kirk, who's such a, he's such an amazing man. If I'm with him, we work together, right? We're home all day, every day with each other. And he he's amazing, but I, I noticed that I'll like I'll lose some of my energy when other when I'm around other people too much. So I'm all about alone time. I love precious alone time where I can shut everything off and just be. Okay, no stimulation. However, we want to watch out if this is going too far down where you don't want to be around people at all, where maybe you feel um lonely, but you don't want to be around anybody. So this is a problem because when we're in a very calm, regulated state, a a sign that your nervous system and your stress response is doing well is you want community. We want connection. We want to feel emotionally, physically, energetically connected to other people. We want to engage. We want to be part of society. But when we're feeling a lot of stress, overwhelmed, overstimulated, burnt out, we want to hibernate. We want to hide. So there's a big difference between being alone to refuel yourself or and being alone because you're you're overstimulated and you're burnt out and you want to disconnect from society. So just be mindful of that too. I remember there's been quite a few moments in my life where anytime a friend would ask me to go anywhere, I would say no. I had nothing in me to give. And it got to a point my friend stopped asking me to, to go places. And it was so sad because I wanted to say yes. I wanted to go out, but... I knew if I'd said yes that day, I'd be like, I don't want to see people. I don't want to go out. I don't feel good. So I just kept saying no. And then they they stopped asking, right? Which was which was really sad. I didn't realize at the time that it was a sign. I was so far into, into burnout that this extreme loneliness, just hiding. I was renting a, a basement apartment in Sudbury and I would just hide in the basement. I wouldn't see anyone for days. I would I took more online classes, just went for walks with Sadie. I did go to the gym, but then I'd go to the gym and leave the gym. I didn't see anybody. So it was this detachment to life and to society. Okay, next we have reduced sense of satisfaction or not feeling accomplished from work, from family, right? We just don't feel the recognition. We don't feel satisfied with what we're doing. For for me, feeling proud and successful is a big part of what I strive for in life. I want to be proud of myself. I want to be proud of the work that I'm doing. I want to be proud of the clients and the success we get. I want to be proud of my team and their growth. Like I'm all about the pride and feeling a level of success. So when we're overstimulated, burnt out, too much cortisol, nothing's ever good enough. You could have the best accomplishments, but you don't feel satisfied with them. You don't feel accomplished with your home life, with your relationships, with work. It's like nothing you do ever feels like enough. And so often for women, when they feel this, they start kicking it up and doing even more, but then that leads to even more burnout. So just recognize that if your, your life is busy and full, but you just don't feel that sense of satisfaction. Okay. Next we have increased conflict with people. So you might not be the fighting type, but you just might notice that there's more conflicts happening around you. Like people, maybe you're not connecting, your words aren't connecting, and there's lots of misunderstandings happening. Might be with your partner, might be with your kids, might be with your job. It it could be with anyone, but there's more conflicts. This has happened in my life too. I don't find that I'm a confrontation person. I, I actually, I tend to be the polar opposite where I run from confrontation, working on that. But 
I noticed when I was in the sense of the state of stress, I would be attracting more conflicts in my life with people and mostly cause misunderstanding or I wasn't emotionally available and it was creating these misunderstandings or two, two very overstimulated people have what I call this trigger battle, right? When one person, let's say we're in a, you're in an overstimulated state. And a comment is made and it might be a very innocent comment, but because you're in an overstimulated state and you're feeling overwhelmed and you've got persistent negative and anxious thoughts, you receive that comment with a trigger. You feel very upset by it. And so then your response is a triggered response and it goes back to the person. And then that person who is also overwhelmed, overstimulated, persistent negative thoughts perceives your comment as a trigger. And so that can you see how that's like a trigger ball war that's happening? One person says something, you perceive it as a trigger, you're upset, you respond back, they perceive it as a trigger, and it goes bounce, 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 bounce. And then people will leave that situation and carry on the rest of their day with that triggered state. So the next person they see, maybe it's picking a coffee up at Starbucks, they're in an attitude, they're in a vibe, they're in a mood. So they act kind of disgruntled, affecting the barista or the person behind them in line, right? It's a trigger ball war that happens. So we want to just recognize if, if that's going on, if you know, if you're noticing increased conflicts with people. All right, next we have a decreased libido. This is huge because when you're stressed, you don't want to be touched. You don't want intimacy. You don't want connection, right? You want to be alone. You want people to get off you. Like, don't even touch me. Nothing feels good, which is, it's, it's interesting because one of the ways we can get out of stress, the stress cycle is through pleasure. So things that feel good. It might be a soft lymphatic touch. It might be the smell of a beautiful candle. It might be the taste of something that you really enjoy. The sensations and activating those sensations that feel good help release and reduce the stress in our body. But when we're overstimulated, we 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 forget that. We we don't want pleasure because we don't want to be we we don't want to be touched or we don't want to have to do something else for somebody else. So we get that decreased libido. So if you are in that overstimulated state, maybe, you know, intimacy with your partner is not the first thing that's going to come, but try to increase um, pleasure in your life again. Book the massage. Okay. Go get a facial. Maybe just buy a scent that feels good for you. Get the candles, light them up. Like things where your senses are like, yes, I like this. This feels good. This smells good. This tastes good. This is good. That's what you're looking for. All right, next we have, it's taking longer to complete tasks. You're feeling very unenthusiastic about things and a lot of difficulty juggling tasks. So this is more that overwhelmed state where everything feels overwhelming. You feel very overstimulated. It's just hard to do many things. You forget where your brain is. It feels like you left your brain in another room. I often laugh at Kirk when he gets in in an overstimulated state he does like circles in the house like paces and you could tell he's forgotten what what he's supposed to do or where he's supposed to be or it's almost like a a nervous response where he'll just circle around and then forget what he's supposed to do and just go back to his office so it's got a running joke in our house that that's what he does but it's this example of just taking longer to complete tasks because your brain is is in that overstimulated state Next, we have always feeling rushed or out of time, right? My, my teacher once, I think she was my grade five teacher, said to us, oh, 
I wish there was 24 hours or 25, sorry, 25 hours in the day. And this like landed with me so, so much because I, I really admired her. She, she was an amazing teacher and I admired her, you know, obviously her work ethic of always being busy on the go, like hustling. She was a really good teacher and she really, really cared. And I, I admired that. And so it stuck with me the 25 hours a day. Well, I want that too. I want more time so I can fill it up with something else. So when we're stressed, we always feel rushed. We feel out of time. Like when we go from one task to another task, it's in the state of like, I'm going to be late. I don't have enough time for this. This rush feeling, which, which isn't great. You often feel on edge, looking around your shoulder, waiting for something to go wrong. That's the feeling. And then on the polar opposite end of that, we have this feeling of constantly feeling on or unable to relax. So at the end of the day, God, I've been through this. I still, I still go through this at the end of the day. I've been, I've been working too late. Like I need a good three hours before bedtime where I shut the computer down, but sometimes, you know, being an entrepreneur things happen and, and I'll be on my computer a little later than I want to. Then my brain gets really activated. And if I were to lie in bed or even try to watch TV at the end of the night, I'm unable to relax. My brain is firing on all cylinders. I can't, I can't shut it off. So some people will feel this every single day. They'll sit on the couch. They can't relax. They'll try to read a book. They can't relax. They'll go to massage and feel very edgy. They can't relax. I once had this client in when I was, when I was working as a personal trainer who refused to meditate because they couldn't do it. They couldn't relax. And I'm like, well, isn't that funny? Because meditation helps, helps you relax. Really. There's no goal of meditation other than sitting and letting your brain eventually calm down so we can quiet the thoughts, but they just were so adamant that they did not know how to relax and refuse to, and they, they couldn't do anything. They couldn't go to massages, couldn't do meditation, couldn't do yoga because they were unable to relax. Okay. Last two here, or last one, we have sleeping, but not feeling rested. So you might get a solid eight hours sleep. Maybe your aura ring or your watch or something tells you you're sleeping eight, nine hours. But when you wake up, you're still really tired. This is a sign cortisol is out of whack. Probably circadian rhythm is out of whack. Could be through nutrient deficiencies, could be through um, a terrible evening routine, not getting really solid quality of sleep, not getting adequate melatonin at night or a good circadian cortisol rhythm in the morning. All right, my loves. So that wraps up the how to tell if you're chronically stressed. I hope it gives you insight to maybe where you're at. Cause remember it's easier to catch it in that overstimulation phase than be so burnt out. You cannot get out of bed. That's hard to recover from. All right. To see you in the next episode.